more about co-housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We're developing the first co-housing project in Texas, and we're really glad you found us today. Hi, everybody. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I'm great. And I'm also really excited because we have a special guest here today, Cynthia Tina. Hi, Tina. Cynthia, that's <laughs> going to confuse me. I can tell everybody already that I am going to get this back backwards. So I apologize in advance. <laughs> oh, it happens all the time. Uh, yeah. Great to be with you. Yeah, Hi. Cynthia is my first name and I have the unusual circumstances having a first name as my last name as well. <laughs> Cynthia, I know a guy named David David. So there are other people okay. who face the same problem. But we're so glad you're here, Cynthia. Yeah. You know, um, Cynthia, we often get inquiries for our co-housing Houston project that make make us realize that there's a whole big world out there of other kinds of intentional communities. People come in, they see that there's this thing called co-housing, they make a lot of assumptions and without us having a lot of experience with other communities, we're always kind of surprised. And when I came across you at the Madison conference recently, and I, I saw that your title had something to do with the foundation for intentional communities, I thought, wow, she could be somebody who could count kind of broaden our perspective on what the different models are and, um, you know, what this broader landscape looks like. So we just wanted to welcome you here today. Thank you very much for agreeing to spend some time with us. And I'm just wondering if before we get going on this, if you could say a little bit uh, more about um, your experience with the Foundation for Intentional Communities and what your role is. And, and maybe I know you want to announce a little bit of something about where you're heading in the future. So over to you, Cynthia. Okay, great. Uh, so I have been involved with the Foundation for Intentional Community, also known as FIC, since 2014. First as a board member, and then I helped uh, lead our rebranding process and the redesign of our website in 2018, and then stepped into a co-director position. We have a shared leadership model of several co-directors. And I'm actually now in the process of, of shifting a little bit out of that role and focusing on my community matchmaking business, which is something I've been doing for several years. And it, it really feels like uh, such a need right now to help people who want to find community, identify those communities that could be a good fit for them. So I've been doing that work, really supporting people through the process of visiting, finding, and hopefully joining a community that feels like a good fit for them. Uh, so that's me. I also live at a small eco-village here in Vermont in the United States. And we've been around for about 12 years. I'm one of the newer residents. Everyone who joins our community builds their own home. So I've also been building my house <laughs> oh, for wow. two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I have been fortunate before joining this community to have gotten to travel the world for about a decade, visiting mm -hmm. over 200 different communities, really, really around the world. Um, so I'm excited about this topic because it feels like something that is right at my alley and I spend a lot of time thinking about it. 
Excellent. Thank you. We didn't even know you had this repertoire of 200 communities. On I know your we're going to have to get her back for like wow. the Spectrum of Intentional Communities International Edition. We'll, yeah, we'll talk wow. about that another day. Well, hey, I was wondering, so because we're involved in co-housing and I know that it is a, a small part of the intentional community spectrum, I'm always surprised by when I read Communities Magazine by really the diversity of intentional communities that are out there. So, and we sometimes struggle with like defining co-housing as opposed to other types of communities. So I was hoping you might be able to help put that into context for us. How does co-housing fit into the spectrum of intentional communities? Yeah, great question. So indeed, intentional communities is an umbrella term that includes a wide variety of different types of communities. And co-housing is one very specific type. And in fact, I think that in many ways, co-housing is the most well-defined because it has a very clear history originating in Denmark, where Charles Durrett and Katie McCammett went to study this this model of community living, which they termed as co-housing really inventing this term, brought it to the U.S. and developed communities based on a a certain number of criteria, uh, including that individuals privately own their own homes, usually with their own kitchens and bathrooms, but have access to common spaces and facilities, usually including a common house, and uh, co-housing communities are not income sharing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, And there might be some other criteria in there, but those are really the defining characteristics of a co-housing. And it's funny that sometimes when I say co-housing communities to people who are new to all this, they think that co-housing means everyone shares a house together. Right? (laughs) It's the opposite of what it means. It means that people own their own apartments, their own, you know, homes in a duplex, a standalone home. Um, So, so in that way, co-housing is unique. I think also, the character and feel of most co-housing communities feels more similar to an old-fashioned neighborhood. So Mm. it can feel the most mainstream or the most accessible for somebody who's new. It's not some hippie commune off in the woods. Usually co-housings are planned residential communities. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I can speak to the other, like the other types of communities. Yeah. Please. Yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah. yeah. So I do have a um, article I can share with you where I go through the 15 most common types of communities. Wow. I don't think we'll go through all of that today, but it defines a little bit. Okay. What is an eco village? What is a commune? What is a tiny house village or a kibbutz? Or, you know, I could go on and on with these different types, but I think what I could say broadly is that there's no no, um, like handbook of definitions. It's really a governing body of intentional communities that's setting up these definitions. You mean (laughs) exactly. And, and groups use them in different ways. Mm. They, you know, may have different understanding of what terms may mean. They may use multiple terms to describe themselves. So it is a little nebulous, um, but happy to share that document with you and you can put oh, it in the you. show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, so uh, the thing that I think is interesting too about thinking 
but intentional communities, right? Like people are intentionally there or they were intentionally created. There's something, it's not happenstance. It's not like we all, you know, it's not like a meet cute. Everybody just fell in together, right? There is some intentionality to all of this. Um, but how does that intersect with everyday life in intentional communities? Like, do you think there's a through line of how people know that they are living in an intentional community, even though the communities themselves can look and feel different? Is there something different about being in an intentional community as opposed to living somewhere where you chose based on, you know, the number of bedrooms in the house or the local schools or something like that? Is there something different about how it feels to live in an intentional community? Mm, yeah. So the the definition of an intentional community is a group of people who live together or regularly share common facilities and resources on the basis of explicit common values. Mm. So these are really values-driven communities. And sure, you can have a retirement community in Florida. It's a community, but it doesn't necessarily have this underlying set of values and principles on which the community was created. And I think where this most comes into play is the membership process. Most intentional communities have a well-defined, sometimes quite involved and lengthy membership process to join, where the community is really screening the individuals against their set of values Mm -hmm. and making decisions about who joins um, based on how well that person seems like they'd be a fit for fulfilling the mission of the community. So those kind of things go the 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 vision and mission, the membership process and the decision making process. These things kind of all work together, those three elements to shape the culture of the place. So, yeah, on the day to day, life in a community could feel, you know, kind of just like life in general. You have bills to pay and kids to look after and and things to do. Um, But you know that at the end of the day, you have had a say in choosing your neighbors and all of your neighbors are really bought into a shared vision and a kind of culture that you're striving for. And it looks so different depending on the community, depending on which what the mission is. Um, So I think that where it really shines forward is in those unusual activities that a group may do together that you wouldn't do just in mainstream housing, Mm. like having a community meeting, having a work day in the garden, having a potluck dinner, those, those moments of stepping outside the usual to really live out that intention, which is why you join the community in the first place. What I'm hearing from you is like, you might be able to, you know, it it is a form of community to live in a, you know, a four bedroom house in a, in an area with good schools, but then you're living out kind of tangible values as opposed to an intentional community where you're really striving to live out some intangible values, like say sustainability is one for co-housing Houston. That's an intangible value, but we're going to feel it when we walk to our community compost bin we're going to feel it when we sit down with neighbors and it's okay for uh, Steve to tell me that I cannot actually recycle that piece of plastic that I thought I could. <laughs> that has to go somewhere else. That those are the kinds of interactions that tell you that you are living in an, you're living out your values in a, in an intentional mm-hmm. community. 
Yeah. And I hold it as a spectrum. We all live in communities with more or less intention. I think a great example is somebody who's uh, part of a religious community or a sports team. These are intentional communities, um, but they're not necessarily residential intentional communities or holding, um, you know, that intention so strongly. Got it. Mm. I like that. And I, yeah, I like the idea of it being explicit. They, you know, that they're coming together because of these explicitly stated values. You know, with all of that in mind, and given this wonderful 200 community exposure that you've had, what would you say is the most common type of community, intentional community that you've seen uh, come into fruition in the United States? Okay, in the United States. Hmm. Yeah, because like we'll do the international. Yeah, we'll do an international version. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Well, hmm. it's hard to say because Mm -hmm. the type of community, like I could describe a certain flavor of community, but um, that may or may not line up with the terminology and the words used. Mm. I think that the most popular terms in this intentional community realm are certainly uh, eco-village, co-housing, and some sort of co-op, housing co-op, student Mm co-op. And then if I had to put in another category that's maybe on the border of intentionality would be co-living communities. And I say on the border because these are communities that are by and large designed and driven by developers Mm -hmm. and the residents have varying degrees of ownership and Mm -hmm. decision-making power within those communities. Um, But those are the four most commonly used terms. So can I just backtrack just for the you know, for our listeners here, eco-village, could you give us just a short definition of eco-village versus co-housing versus the cooperative versus the co-living? Yes, we do appreciate you giving us the list and we'll put it in show notes, but Lynn listens to podcasts while she's out walking. So she always wants it to be in the hearing so people can just keep on listening. (laughs) They're not Googling this if they're out walking like I am. Thank you, Kelly. Put down your phone and keep walking (laughs) because Cynthia is going to tell us. (laughs) There you go. Makes sense. So an eco-village is Mm -hmm. a community that is striving for sustainability in a very holistic sense. So Mm -hmm. not only environmental sustainability, but also economic, social, and cultural sustainability. Mm Hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how an eco-village is defined and that can manifest in many ways, you know, renewable energy, gardens, food production, all of that. Um, but, but by and large, that is the distinction between a co-housing community. Oh, great. And then a co-op, like a housing co-op or student co-op is like a cooperative. So it refers to the ownership structure. Like you have a grocery co-op where the members own the business. They own the the store. This is a case where residents own their home. And this type of community is more often found in urban centers, in the cities, Um, young people especially, um, tend to pick up this this model of ownership. Um, 
So there's that. And then co-living, I described it a little bit already, but uh, I think it's a term maybe that the, uh, mm, I, I don't want to use the word co-opted, but it kind of feels like that maybe a little bit where developers have latched on to this brand of intentional community living and put the the co-living label on it. And if you go to co-living.com, you'll see a directory of, of thousands of different places where you can rent a room, usually a, a furnished room adjacent to common facilities like a kitchen and uh, dwelling spaces, largely catering to young professionals who are looking mm-hmm. to save on rent and also have more social connection. You know, the thing that you've said about co-living that I'm going to employ immediately the next time this comes up with people that come to us is this decision-making being a big differentiator. And I hadn't really uh, kind of thought about this in the same way. And I think that is a big a big thing for us to emphasize as we seek to distinguish us co-housing from co-living. Um, and I can tell, Kelly, if you saw the news this week, that this is going to become a bigger topic of conversation in Houston because a developer just put out on the press this week they're developing some several hundred co-living high-rise in the Montrose area. So, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be, well, that's great. Well, thanks. Thanks for helping us kind of understand that uh, spectrum there. I've learned a lot myself. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I was curious because you've been part of FIC and you know, a lot of people, I think, kind of start their journey in um, deciding how they want to live by going to FIC. You know, they're like, I want something. What do I want? And so they start there to really look into what what there is. And I was wondering if communities are, you know, if when you come under the umbrella of intentional community, since it's so broad, do communities have a really is it easy for them to self-identify? Is it hard? Do most communities use these terms to create, you know, like this is our basic intention. We basically fall under this or do communities um, have other ways of broadcasting what their intentions are so that they can attract people who share their values? Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, um, there's a variety in terms of how communities relate to self-defining themselves. Mm-hmm. At the core, uh, I would refer to the mission and vision and the values statement of the community more so than whatever label they put next to their name. Yeah. Um, Because, mm-hmm. yeah, as we've talked about, not everyone is using those labels in the same way. Uh, so having that um, mission statement when you're somebody who's looking into a particular community and wanting to learn more what it's about, going to that more than if they're an eco-village, let's say. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, too, especially with eco-village, it's an aspirational term. It doesn't mean that this is a community that has everything figured out in right, terms right. Of their self-sufficiency. <laughs> it's something they're striving towards. Um, so that's where digging a little deeper um, into the, yeah, what the community is saying about themselves in a more long form and I wonder, I wonder how much communities struggle. I think, um, I think if a founder has spent time 
doing their research and really investigating, visiting other communities, exploring the directory on IC.org, they're going to maybe be in a better place to more accurately define themselves. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder for the person who's just out there and like, oh, I want to create a community and I'll put up a listing on IC.org and they may not, yeah, they may not be using the terms in the proper way. Yeah, because when you defined eco-village, it made me laugh because I was like, hey, Lynn, maybe we're an eco-village and we don't even know it because one of our core values- pseudo-eco-village. Yeah, well, one of our core values is sustainability. And in the context of our building project, we've invested a very large sum of money on um, being able to reduce our carbon footprint and being able to change our um, heating and cooling options, which is important in our climate. In addition, we've made a lot of, you know, sustainability decisions and put money, real money behind them um, because of the changing climate in Houston. But we don't call ourselves an eco village, you know, but if you are looking in Houston and you have that that bent, then that might be something you're interested in. And if you're not interested in it and you want co-housing, we might not be the right people for you. So it is interesting to me how people define themselves within those within those categories. Yeah, no, and you I, can use you can use more than one term. Like I think of Belfast co-housing and eco village. Yeah. They are, you know, that's the community that's using both. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, Cynthia, I know we're going to want to put in our show notes a link to your your business. Can you tell us the name of your business? Community matchmaking. Okay, yeah. that's yeah, and the website is uh, just my name, CynthiaTina.com. Okay. Because one of the things that I, I just kind of a curiosity question here as we wrap up is um, it kind of links to what Ke Kelly was asking about communities better broadcasting their intention is that, you know, do you offer communities advice um, about what kind of what kind of signals are we putting out there that we may not be, you know, if somebody just goes to our website um, we're in a particularly special market right now because if you Google absolutely anything to do with intentional communities, co-housing, co-living, doesn't matter what you put out there, you find us on Google. So we we at least get that first point of conversation more easily. But I just wonder whether for, for people where it's maybe a tighter market, do you offer like, hey, let me, I can look at your website and I can give you kind of a feedback as to how, what kind of an impression you're making. Mm -hmm. I used to do more of that work. Mm -hmm. um, another whole area of passion and interest of mine is marketing and website design. Mm -hmm. So I used to do that more so with communities. Not so much today. Um, today it's more uh, for the community matchmaking piece when okay. they're looking for a specific uh, type of person to join. And then I can refer to my database of community seekers and help make that connection. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm open to it. Um, but yeah, not my main focus right now. And I completely agree for you all being in Houston, where there's not much at all in terms of other intentional communities. So you really have the geographical niche uh, very strongly there. So it's no surprise to me that you're having uh, success with getting people interested. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Well, was there anything else that you thought you might be telling us today? I know we just kind of like called you up and said, hey, Cynthia, I want to get on a podcast with this. And you're like, sure, why not? 
So um, it's all very kind of organic and very ad hoc, but is there anything you feel like as kind of parting comments to our listeners that you would like to share? Mm-hmm. Well, I have so appreciated this opportunity and getting to connect with both of you and getting to share also like what's beyond co-housing for people who are interested in uh, in this Forum of intentional communal living. I think that we live in incredibly lonely times. Even before mm-hmm. the pandemic, we had an epidemic of loneliness, certainly in the United States, but also globally. And now with the housing crisis and inflation, there's even more. Uh, it feels like in my mind, every new disaster or crisis that comes up, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah community is the answer for that. Like community is how we can address the climate crisis, create more affordable housing, combat loneliness. So I, I really um, would encourage the people who are listening and are new to this or haven't yet visited a community and are maybe contemplating making the leap. I um, just want to encourage them that it is possible. And I know that it can feel overwhelming to make a transition or even just to find the time to do the research and go visit communities and really want to be here to support those people because I think it can be one pathway, not the only way, certainly, but one pathway to a more meaningful and uh, life-supporting style of living. So thank you. That is a beautiful, you heard it here. Community (laughs) is the answer. Come check us out. Cynthia, thank you so much for your time. Do you want to say your website one more time so people who are walking now, they can pause and they can Google it? (laughs) Sure. So just my name, Cynthia, my last name, Tina, T-I-N-A dot com. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing Houston.